Good morning, sports fans. Fill up that coffee cup and that bowl. Sit back and relax. Because live from Colorado, it's time for the Sports Offensive. All right, well, good morning out there, sports fans, and welcome to the Sports Offensive. Thanks so much for spending a little bit of your time here on this Saturday morning with us. Happy Memorial Day. We want to give out a shout-out to all of those uh, who have fought and died for our country and is the reason we actually have this holiday. I know it feels like a bit of an odd holiday since you uh, are not going to be having, for the most part, barbecues or parties or get-togethers or things like that. But, uh, you know, we're making progress as we try and fight off this pandemic. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful time right now because uh, we're starting to see sports reemerge in the landscape. And it's going to be a big part of our topic today is, is basically, you know, how viable this is and, uh, and what we're going to do going forward. Uh, I may have a special interview guest coming on uh, today, a, a former classmate of mine who lives in Taiwan, uh, and maybe gives a little breakdown of how they're handling things uh, as they have opened up their baseball league. So, it is pretty late over there, so uh, I'm not 100% sure uh, if he will be able to come on. But if not, he did send me some um, information about the league that I'd like to share with everyone because I think it's kind of an interesting uh, perspective uh, on how they handle things. The rules of baseball are the same there. It's just different uh, outside of the rules of the actual game is where things are a little bit different. So that should be very interesting. Um, we also want to cover today, uh, I know we covered on our last show, but we're going to cover The Last Dance again, uh, now that that uh, documentary is finished, and that there are some, uh, I guess you would say, disputing reports coming out from certain people, whether these people are unhappy with how they were portrayed, or if they just had a different interpretation of how things went down. Uh, very interesting overall. Uh, overall, and, and like I said, across the world, they are seeing some opening of sports, including here in the U.S., and we want to review those. I'm sure those of you who were able to watch sports last weekend uh, were giddy to do so and happy to do so again this week, if possible. Um, and how the U.S. does it compared to other countries could be uh, a very interesting dynamic. We would, uh, If you can always do us a favor, guys, we like it if you like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. You can find us at both under the handle at the SPT Offensive. You can also find us on Instagram, and that we have the handle the Sports Offensive with underscores between the words. You can go to our website, thesportsoffensive.com, learn about us, our shows, listen to current and prior episodes, again, at thesportsoffensive.com. We have a live player on there where you can listen to today's show, or the current show, I should say. Uh, you can always catch us live. Um, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, and then you can also get us as an iTunes podcast on demand on those uh, stations. We do want to thank our show's supporters. We've got Idiot Cult T-shirts, Health Guru, EK Fit, and the Space Savers at Operation Organize. You can find them and links to their sites on our site at thesportsoffensive.com. We always love callers. You can contact us at 929-477-3204. Now I'd like to bring on my co-host, J.P., Coming to us from the Veranda Studios, JP. How are you feeling today? You know, Mark. Good morning to you. I feel absolutely great. I've got my Santiago's breakfast burritos over here. I'm on the couch. I've got two and three TVs on. The computer in front of me. I uh, just want to, uh, you know, emphasis your thoughts on uh, thanking all the people that served our country um, in the military, in the past, in the future, and all of our uh, people out there on the front lines in this pandemic. You know, all of our healthcare workers, our grocery store employees, 
or you know, just everyone out there that that's uh, you know helping us, you know, because uh, this is going to be part of Memorial Day too now. Um, from the, the way we go forward, actually, the way we look at everything, we've lost so many people uh, during this pandemic so far. And you know what? We are starting to gear up to get back into sports here. Um, you know, the NHLPA has voted yesterday. I want to say this off the bat. Um, the players did go ahead with their 2014, uh, not to get into the show already, but the 2014 um, playoff guideline, because their season was almost over. But uh, they did vote yesterday, which I'm happy to see. And I know we're going to get into all that during the show. But like I said, you're just enjoying my breakfast burritos. I'm not sitting here on the couch. I've got a little poker on one. I've got Sports Center on the other, so you know, just uh, relaxing. I cut, I, I cut, I shut the blinds so I can't look at an empty pool out there and all that beautiful pool furniture. So just, uh, you know, just ready to rock and roll. Excellent, excellent. You know, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting concept going forward, and that is how is life going to permanently change uh, due to the COVID? I mean, it is a, you know, I mean, it, it could be an ever-changing virus. It may never be one that we're completely uh, in full defense against. I mean, we might just always be susceptible to it. Uh, it may die out the way kind of like the SARS and the MERS viruses did, but it may not. It may mutate and, and stay around. So uh, it will be interesting to see how we kind of uh, go into opening things up. I mean, I was a big proponent of, of the stay-at-home orders, the lockdown, the, the freeze everything up. But you know what? We did flatten the curve. And so I think it's a good idea to start opening things up. And this is with the knowledge. Please don't uh, hate on me for you know not being cognizant of what is going to happen. I know what's going to happen. We're going to have a spike, and it's not that we're not we shouldn't have the spikes. I think that we need to kind of get to a point where we just have spikes, lockdown, spikes, lockdown, until this thing has spread through most of the population. And I know you're going to say, oh well, there's no guarantee of immunity. I know that as well. What I'm saying is we need to get to a point where people find out how susceptible they are to it. And like as someone like me who has a risk factor with bad asthma. I need to find out if I've already had it because I may have had it back in uh, December or January when both Nate and I got very sick with the exact same virus. There's no question we had the same thing and it was extremely uh, virulent and, and, and brutal, but I mean, mean, it could have been something completely different. I'm not saying I had Corona. I have no idea. I want to take the antibody test once there's a good one. So I'll know, but once you know, you've had it and you survived, well, now you can go – and granted, it's like you're not going to want to go through it a whole bunch of times, right? You're not going to want to go through it weeks and weeks and weeks every time, but it probably wouldn't be as intense as much as the first time. But again, I'm not displaying that it's still dangerous. I'm not, dis, uh, I'm not uh, saying that, that, that we're not you – know, have very uh, susceptible population figures, you know, older people, asthma, diabetes, obesity. There's a lot of things that are causing risk factors. Now children are starting to get that, that uh, uh, swelling uh, condition that and I can't remember the name of the actual condition that it mirrors, uh, but basically just Mark, full body. Mark, I have it for you. It's a Kawasaki disease. Okay, do you, do you want to go into it a little bit more? I mean, do you know any any little specifics about it at all? Uh, it's it's a disease called Kawasaki disease. It mirrors a lot of the symptoms of COVID, and so I don't know that much about it. I know that it started to break out in New York City. Then it broke out in L.A., basically the hot, you know, the hot places around the country where, um, where people are seeing this. I mean, New York is our biggest outbreak center. Um, you know, one point for that you, know, you mentioned about might have having it, you just came back from a business trip from Atlanta when you actually got it a couple of days later. Um, so you were in an airport with a major hub um, down there. Well, and, and I do not believe I 
I don't believe I got it from the airport. Now there were a, we did pass the international terminal uh, to go from where we landed to where we were taking off for our second flight, and uh, there was a number of Asian airlines that were coming in. But I do not think I got it there because of the fact that Nate had the exact same symptoms, and I got sick two days after I got home, and right. Nate was that he had the exact same symptoms that I did. So um, the one yeah. thing that you'll notice, a lot of Asian cultures, and I won't say all of them, of course, but there's a lot of Asian cultures where people are very con- conscientious about disease in general and wear face masks a lot. I mean, I remember the first time I read an article because I was kind of puzzled why I saw so many people in Japan that were wearing face masks, and this was a few years back. And it said that the people were like, no, if you think that there's any chance you may be ill, people will wear a face mask to not spread to others, which kind of shows a very yep. different culture from uh, a country like Japan to a country like the U.S. where people would be kind of indignant on wearing a mask. Um, but, you know, and, and they're thinking like, well, I've had people come up to me and be like, you know, that mask isn't protecting you. And I'm like, it's not supposed to protect me. It's supposed to help me not spread it if I'm asymptomatic. It's the only reason I'm wearing yeah. it so that I don't spread it. And, you know, we just need to, we're going to, have to get into a place where in America it becomes commonplace to wash your hands all the time, which is, you know, I mean, Americans have kind of had always had a kind of a gung ho attitude. It's part of probably what made our country successful in a lot of ways. But we are going to have to adjust, you know, wash your hands, use sanitizer. Uh, you know, there was a big thing was like brushing and using mouthwash, brushing your teeth and using mouthwash because it can reduce the amount of coronavirus in your mouth because coronaviruses are encapsulated in the shell. This shell can be broken. And when that shell is broken, the virus doesn't survive well. That's why you wash your hands for 20 seconds. It's not even really about if the water's warm or not. It's about the soap helping make the water softer because water is hard, and that's a chemical thing. And if you make mm-hmm. it softer and you use 20 seconds of rubbing and friction, the thought is that it will crack or break the seal around most of the viruses if you have them on your hands, which then allows them to be killed. And that's kind of the whole point of doing that hand washing. Um, and they come up with some recent guidelines. I mean, of course – Everything is changing, and that's the one thing I think people also need to remember is things are changing every day. We don't know anything about this drug, and so we're learning, and as we learn, we have to change things, and it's going to play a big part in what we talked about today with sports reopening, especially when you look at uh, what's kind of happened in the soccer leagues in Europe, which have opened up briefly and, uh, and can have a very detrimental effect on it. We try to open American sports because you don't want to open up sports again here and then have it just crater, you know, I mean, because that could happen, and, and we'll review that as well. Now, uh, what's awesome is my, my friend from Taiwan has actually called and is on the line. So we're going to skip ahead. Yeah. Actually, before we, before we go to that, JP, go ahead and do our sports offensive trivia question, and then we'll, then we'll move on. To okay. okay. So, you know, good. We're, we're talking about reopening uh, the NFL and, and college football. So sports offensive trivia question of the week. What, it, what was Jim Brown's career yards per carry average, his whole, his whole career, yards per carry average? And I have a whole bunch of Jim Brown stats here, too. Yeah, it'll be fun to go over that because, I mean, there's, there's a reason Jim Brown is pretty much considered the most, the most amazing running back, at least of, his, uh, uh, of the pre-spread like, uh, offense era, I guess you would say. Like back when football was still all smash mouth, yep. that guy was amazing. So, and uh, I do want to say, in honor of COVID-19, stay-at-home locker uh, orders, uh, work time, Zoom happy hours, and Memorial Day, you know, pop that baby open and start day drinking because you know what? That's the world we live in. So, uh, anyway, let me go ahead and bring on uh, a friend, Paul. Paul was uh, a, a co student of mine uh, in the same uh, discipline or same major, I guess I should say. Um, and he was over here from Taiwan studying, and he has gone back 
uh, he is now back in Taiwan, and he's going to share with us um, a breakdown of kind of how Taiwanese baseball is working right now, and also uh, how they're trying to, um, I guess you would say, uh, address the pandemic issues while running a successful sport. So go ahead and bring Paul on. Paul, let me know if you can hear us. Hey, Mark. Can you hear me? Absolutely. You sound fantastic. Sound like you're just down the street instead of a whole ocean away. So thank you so much for coming. I know it's uh, I know it's late for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And and uh, you know, I mean, I just want to give you a little bit of free reign. I mean, we'll have some questions for you, but if you don't mind, for our our listeners here, if you could just kind of maybe break down how the Taiwanese baseball league works and uh, what you guys are doing to try and address the COVID nineteen issues. Uh, sure. Um. Basically, our our league um, usually goes about mid March to mid or late March to about October, so kind of mimics the uh, MLB season. But this year, it had to start late because of the pandemic. And when it first started in early April, I would say or around early April, um, it uh, was initially without any fans. And then about a month later, um, the league coordinated with some um, the equivalent of CDC in the U.S. Um, it's it's um, the one based here, and they basically initially open up fans to the game. I think they opened up about a thousand initially, and then just this past weekend they opened it up to two thousand with food and with food and drinks allowed. So um, basically, the process right now, what they're going through is, when, whether it was one thousand or two thousand, um, anybody that wanted to go to a game had to buy a ticket online or at a convenience store because um, in one, on one of those kiosk machines, um, they require you to input your ID number. And um, once you get to the stadium, they check your body temperature and check your ID. And then once, once that's through, they make you fill out a health declaration. They just want to know if, if um, your travel history suggests you probably shouldn't be out, out here roaming around. So let me ask you, so uh, and, um, what, Mm-hmm. What's the capacity of a stadium in Taiwan compared to the U.S.? Is it roughly equivalent, like between like you know fifty and sixty-five thousand? Uh, no, they're usually about um, averages out to about twelve to fifteen, but there is one that is about twenty thousand. Okay, so it's a little bit smaller overall. So the one in two thousand is significantly yeah. uh, more full over there than it would be over here. One or two thousand. Um, basically, right now it's um it's spread out. Everybody, every like not every seat is sold. Obviously, for social distancing purposes. Um, basically, one seat sold, and the two seats to the left and right of the fan is empty, and um, every other row is empty. It's just to prevent them from accidentally coughing to on someone in front of you. I, absolutely. And and is it requ- is there a requirement mm-hmm. that you wear a mask? Uh, yes, currently it is still required, even though it is outdoors and social distancing rules are are um, being followed. But it's for safety reasons, obviously, in, in these conditions. Now, have you had any players or coaches test positive since the season opened? Uh, so far, none. But if I recall correctly, the league commissioner has said that once anybody, like not just players or coaches, but umpires, um, credentialed media members, other other league staff members, if they test positive, the league is going to shut down until everything turns back to normal. Yes. Really? So, and, and have they have they mentioned yeah. how long they would shut the league down? Uh, as of now, not yet. Kind of like the NBA situation where it's indefinite. 
Right, right. No, I just didn't know if like if the plan was mm-hmm. test positive and they say, okay, so for 21 days we're going to go into lockdown or something uh, like that. And no, I guess the, no, for Taiwan in particular, they didn't have that. But I know in Korea, it's they said 21 days, so somebody has has something set up. We 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 don't. We're we're just going to probably take it a step at a time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's what's going to be happening over here in the U S as well. I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a touch and go situation. And, and um, that's one of the one, the, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I don't know if I would say apprehensive about, but concerned about is, uh, you know, in, in soccer, they had that one coach uh, who um, he left the hotel, which was under quarantine, uh, not quarantine for being sick, but quarantine from people not leaving so that they didn't have a chance to get infected. Hang on a second. My cat's going crazy here. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, and so he got basically like he was not allowed to go near his team or anything like that for 14 days. And then they have to make sure that he has uh, two negative tests for the virus before they can let him back in. And I guess I'm wondering is what happens if you open up, let's say we open up baseball here in the U.S. or even more to the fact, let's say if we opened up uh, basketball, right, because basketball is ready to go to the playoffs or, or hockey is almost about ready to go to the playoffs. What do you do if it's the first round and you're four games into the series and then all of a sudden someone tests positive and now you have to shut everything down. I mean, what, I mean, what do you do at that point? Do you think that you can even restart things or, or, I mean, I guess this is kind of what we're waiting for is for this to happen to a sport. So the other sports can take, you know, uh, can learn what they're going to have to do to deal with it once this occurs. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I know. Yeah, you guys have to- I, I don't know too. Cause, those those fans haven't. I don't know of any. I don't know what the league is doing here. All I know is basically from a fan standpoint of what what we're told to do, and that's basically what we have to follow to continue to be able to go to games. Well, I mean, you know what? If it works, it works. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know you've been to a few games. How many have you gone to? Uh, so far, just two. Okay. Well, that's a whole lot more sports One than I've been on mother on Mother's yeah on Mother's Day and last weekend. Nice. And so uh, you were telling mm-hmm. me kind of you, know, you wrote me an email with uh, or a message with some stuff about the league. Um, but you know, do you want to go ahead and kind of review that stuff? Because, I mean, it was really interesting, just kind of the little subtle differences and things uh, with the two leagues. Uh, sure. Um, it's, it's not a really big league. It's only four teams and everybody plays 120 games. So 40 times against each other. And basically every team has you can have up to four foreign players and and based on how the league structure is here, it's mainly foreign pitchers and most of them have um, major league baseball experience. And are, something are that's probably kind of unique to the, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, I was going to say, are the majority of the foreign players like from the U S baseball leagues or are they from other, uh, other baseball uh, countries? Um, most of them are, are from the U S. At least they, they gotcha. play them affiliated ball or independent ball. Gotcha. So they picked up their skills over here, and then <laughs> and then they're translating it over there to uh, try and bolster the rosters a little bit. And I, it is interesting that you have only fourteen. Yeah. Um, are is, is it a, is it a relatively new league? Uh, it's been around since nineteen ninety, so I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's new. No, no, that's quite a bit. I mean, what what is the total <laughs> no. population? Yeah. What's the total population of Taiwan? Taiwan's about twenty-three million. Okay, so you know what? Fourteen sounds about right. I mean, maybe a couple more eventually, but that would that would be, that would kind of correlate, right? Because I mean, we U.S. we have about three hundred and forty million people, 
and 30 teams. So I think that kind of yeah. works out. This mm-hmm. time, so. Yeah, Excellent. we're actually going to have a fifth expansion team starting next year. And we're hoping wow. to probably get a sixteenth again. <laughs> I was going to say they almost would have to, right? Because it would be it would make the schedules kind of hard yeah. to to do if you only had five teams. I know uh, with fantasy football, yeah, we, someone's uh, going to have an off day. <laughs> yeah, because we, we have a, finance, a dynasty mm-hmm. league in fantasy football, and one guy wants to drop out, and it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> if we're down to thirteen teams, I don't yeah. know how to schedule all that stuff, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. uh, go, over, go over the way that the teams are uh, sponsored. Uh, it's not like I think in the U.S. Um, lots of different minority owners are around, but mainly mainly in Taiwan, it's one corporation. They own like they own one team, and the team name isn't affiliated with a city name or state name. It's affiliated with the company name. See, I think that's awesome because when you first were sharing the information with me, and uh, one of the teams was the Seven Eleven because I was watching one of the games, and it said the Seven Eleven, and I was like, Oh yeah, Seven mm-hmm. Eleven convenience store. Yeah, and I was like. Yeah, you know what? That's, that's yeah that the conglomerate that owns 7-Eleven owns that team. So yeah, that's why they they, they added the 7-Eleven on for branding purposes. <laughs> I think it would be kind of fun though to have have like the Los Angeles Home Depots and the the Denver Lowe's and the uh, you know the Seattle. I don't know what what do they have up in Seattle? You know, just like yeah, a restaurant. Yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft Mariners. There you go. Exactly. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's basically how the team names. That's that's basically a team name. There there there's no city or there's no location in the team name. It's just a so company they, name and then whatever their team name is. And are these teams situated like are they branded to a city? I mean, not branded, but are they are they are they married to a location? Like, do they have a home stadium only in one area that they always play their their home games at? Uh, majority of time, um, I know of. Well, for this year, um, at least the first half of this season. Um, they're going to schedule everything in their so-called home stadiums just because it's to cut down on travel. But during normal times, um, occasionally we teams would go out to say on um, the east side of Taiwan and probably play a couple games there just to let, let the people there who don't really have access to the west side, which is on the west side, which is where I stay. They, they don't like people on the east don't necessarily have access to um, baseball games there. So occasionally teams would fly over there and play a couple games there just to give them the opportunity to watch professional games there. See, that's awesome. And I, I love, I would love if baseball did that this year. Uh, I realize that you're saying like with the, with the issues and stuff, it probably is not a good idea to have people traveling that much, but how cool would it be since there's most mm-hmm. likely not going to be any minor league baseball in uh, the U S this year, uh, no matter what happens that I think it'd be cool to have some of these professional players uh, play at these um, like minor league stadiums or, or or college stadiums, things like that, and go to places where they don't have major league teams. You know, like uh, most of Missouri and you know uh, North and South Dakota and uh, places like that where they just don't have uh, a lot of you know professional baseball. I think it'd be really cool to to give them that experience. You know, and be like, hey, you can come watch your stars. And uh, although I, I realize there's probably a risk with minor league stadiums being even more close mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, close quarters and, and things like that than, than the major stadiums. So um, I, I won't be surprised yeah. if we end up mm-hmm. getting completely crowdless sports in the U S because of the fact that we are still, I mean, we're still really in the throes of, of the growth of the pandemic. So that was the other thing I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Is, how is Taiwan doing with the pandemic? Like how many new cases are you getting uh, are you still getting new cases? Are you still getting deaths? Or is it, is it kind of 
uh, petered out there? Um, for us, um, we actually um, have been kind of trying to control everything. So we've actually had very minimal growth since, oh, I don't know, March, March-ish, I guess. So basically everything's under control. And are they using a lot of contact tracing, like maybe things that won't go over very well in the U.S.? I know in China they were um, extremely, um, well, and some other countries as well, but using, uh, when the government, where a government had more control, they were like saying, okay, well, we're going to watch your cell phones or we're going to watch this so we know where you are. We're going to use cameras to watch who left their house or who went into certain stores so that if someone gets sick, then we can isolate them and anyone they had contact with, which seems very effective to me to do the work. But I, I'm almost certain in the, in the U.S. it would never fly because people would be like, now you're invading my privacy. And even though your privacy is invaded daily by Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and God knows what other programs the, you know, the government's using, um, I, I, think it, it, I, like, I think it's just a, I think it's just a mental state basically about wanting to not be monitored. But I mean, do you think that that has made a big difference? Because it seems like, you know, you're saying that you guys have not had a lot of new cases. I know Korea has done, or at least South Korea has done fairly well. And, you know, you look at the U.S. where it's just opened a few cities, uh, mostly in the South. And uh, we're starting to see, you know, like we were kind of, we kind of gotten down to like an 800 a day people dying, um, which is still a lot of people, but was much better than the, you know, thousand that we were seeing for a while. But now that number's ticking back up, and we're back up to about 1,300 the last couple of days. And so I can't help but wonder if, you know, if we may need to implement some of those kind of strategies, but uh, getting Americans to agree with it is going to be kind of weird. So are, are people in Taiwan a little bit more receptive to that? Uh, I wouldn't say receptive, but they are actually doing some, some tracing. Like, 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 well, like initially when I said about going to the games, they make us um, – fill out forms like with our name, ID number, our home address and everything. And upon entering them, you have, they actually check it to make sure everything's okay. So there is some, there is some contact like tracing going on to make sure like where people are going. And if anything does happen to said person, um, they know like, Oh, Oh, Paul went to the baseball game on such and such day. So maybe everybody in this area and, and they actually know what seat you have to actually fill out what seat you're in. So, you know, he sat in this seat. So if you're in this area, look out. Uh, like, you know, oh, you might have been sitting next to so-and-so or probably you were using this bathroom. So anybody else who uses this bathroom, you know, we need to make sure that they're washed yeah. or whatever. Okay. Makes, makes total sense. Yeah, um, <laughs> I apologize. I've kind of monopolized the conversation. Did you have some questions you'd like to ask Paul about uh, Taiwan and baseball oh, over there? Yeah, no, sure. Um, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. I, I definitely know it's late over there. Um, I think uh, mm-hmm. and everything Taiwan is doing, you know, to kind of measure and, and, and get back into the structure. Like you guys are ahead of us as a, as in pandemic, you said you guys opened back up in March. Um, do you know, and this is the big thing right now with our professional sports teams and every and college teams and every organization, um, the amount of testing and how much testing should be done. I know you mentioned about the quarantine in, in Korea, if someone tests positive, but right now the one of our big things about reopening is how much testing should be done per week you know what the Taiwanese baseball organization is doing? Uh, actually, that information, I, I wouldn't know. It's not public, so I, I, I wouldn't be able to public. answer that question. But I would, but I I would assume they're testing, they're, they're testing every so often. Because one, they also say, like, once somebody tests positive, um, they're going to have to shut it down for a certain amount of time. 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was, I was wondering <laughs> if you knew that or not. Um, any advice for Americans going forward? Cause we're, we're going into Memorial day weekend here where we have beaches open on the <laughs> East and West coast. Um, and, you know, Mark just said, we've seen a little bit of a rise in, in our cases, um, knowing what you guys have done in Taiwan, knowing that we have a big holiday weekend where people are kind of, if you look at it, some of the Facebook posts out there, they are stretching out. I've seen people in the stores and walking around without masks mm-hmm. on. Any advice to give to the American public? Uh, basically in Taiwan, like right now, like I think right now um, it's whenever it's, you don't have to. You have to wear a mask if you're on, you know, public transportation. It's a, it's a requirement. They they can actually, they can actually track you down. They can actually grab you on the spot and find you. So I would say just take all like wear a, wear a mask. It's it's definitely helpful. It protects you. It also protects other people next to you. And obviously, keep on washing. Wash your hands. Definitely. I know I have a a bunch of hand sanitizer. Paul, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'll throw it back to Mark because you guys covered mostly everything that I wanted to ask. Uh, And I I, I just two quick more questions, Paul, because then we're going to go ahead and move on to some other subjects. But um, the one thing is, uh, how many uh, American stadiums have you been to? Because I know you've come back over here on vacations and gone to stadiums. Plus, you were living here for a good while. Have you have you been to them all? Uh, not yet. Uh, that's that that that's that's the goal. I don't know if it'll ever occur though. Uh, What's that? American scenes. I, I thought. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I just didn't, I didn't hear the last thing that you said. Uh, it's um basically a, it's something that hopefully one day it'll happen, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. Oh, gotcha. How many have you been to mm-hmm. overall? You. Hold on. Let me count real quick. <laughs> I'd say about uh, 13, 15 and two of them no longer exist. You know, the old Yankee Stadium and <clears throat> and uh, Shea. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could go back in time and go to Forbes Field. Um, that one looks really mm-hmm. cool. Or uh, or the Polo Grounds, you know, where, where Mays used to play. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see either one of those. I mean, Ebbets Field, of course, because I'm a Dodger fan, but I never heard many compliments of that stadium. I kind of heard it was kind of a dump <laughs> and I know it was torn down <laughs> in the 1940s or whatever, 1950s, but, uh, but I, I mm-hmm. but you know, you know, but, but uh, polo grounds and Forbes field, I mean, they were so iconic in the way they were built and things like that. Um, the last thing I was going to ask you mm-hmm. was, so have you been tested for the virus and have you had the antibody test for the virus or either, or uh, uh, I have not. Um, basically um, they, the government here, they, if somebody tests positive, they basically say, oh, he went here this day, he went here that day. And basically, if, if you've been in that area, um, just self-quarantine yourself. And unless you get symptoms, then go for a test. That's basically how, how, how it works here. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you, and you've never experienced mm-hmm. any symptoms, I take it? Uh, no, no, not yet. I hope never. Right, right. Or hopefully you've had it and mm-hmm. it didn't affect yeah. you at all. And that way you'll know. Uh, going forward that you probably, mm-hmm. like I said, I know it does uh, evolve, but I really want to get the antibody test and not, not right now because they're not reliable yet, but once they become fairly mm-hmm. reliable in terms of no false positives or false negatives or very, very few, mm-hmm. that way I can say, Oh, I did yeah. catch it. I made it, I made it through. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would, I would kind of assume that I can get it again and survive, but uh, 
that <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm no virologist, so that could be completely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, anything, mm-hmm. just, anything that could just reduce the uh, – the big thing for me is flying for business and for holidays, right? I'd love to be able to fly. And until yeah. I know that mm-hmm. I can survive it, I don't want to be stuck in a tube sharing air with somebody who might not be conscientious and might just be spreading it all over the plane. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul, I, I so appreciate you coming on, man. I know it's late. So we'll let you go as you can get to bed, but thanks so much for sharing your experience. Uh, it was really fun to uh, chat with you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. So thanks again so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Mike. Likewise. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right on thanks, Paul. Paul. Great uh, rest of the day, man. Hey, right, Yeah. Or rest of the hey, night. Stay, stay safe guys. Mm-hmm. We will. Well, thanks so much. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, wonderful. That was fun. I was uh, I was so excited when we uh, when we were starting to talk about baseball, and uh, I had been talking with Paul over Facebook Messenger a bit, and he had sent me some videos and some links uh, on Twitter that you could use to watch games and and things. And right. uh, a few things that I found found impressive were the commentators uh, because you got they had English commentators, right? And they were good yep. in terms of making it feel normal you know like there wasn't many fans in the stands but they kind of made it feel normal and i believe and i can't remember if this was the taiwan i should have asked paul this I, I can't remember if it was taiwan or if it was korean baseball uh the tv network or whatever was uh added crowd sound so like cheers you know when there was a big hit or something like that and i thought that's not a right. bad idea you know that can kind of make it feel feel normal um so why don't we jump to the last dance uh, you know, we've, we've finally finished, and I don't think Nate's coming on the show today, so we can probably use spoilers if we want. He probably is. I don't know. I think he had to work late last night. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I did. From him. I watched all of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have as well. So you've seen all ten episodes, yes? Yes, I have. I just rewatched eight, nine, and ten uh, Thursday night. Very nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, maybe on Memorial Day. I because I decided that I'm going to use today to get. Um, all my house cleaning and stuff like that and laundry and stuff done. Tomorrow, you're going to be grocery shopping and food prep for the week, and I'm trying to get it all done. So on Monday, I mean, I haven't had a free, free day since the pandemic started because my work has been so hectic. So yep. I am looking to a day of playing, doing nothing but playing video games and and probably watching, rewatching The Last Dance. Although, uh, if there's... I'm guessing there's probably another NASCAR event this weekend, so if that's on Sunday, I may tweak my uh, schedule to watch that. Do you know, is there another race coming today or th- this weekend? Yeah, they're, gonna, they're racing at Charlotte on Sunday. And do you know what that one's called? Um, they're calling all these races a little bit something different. Uh, let me just get into my uh, ESPN uh, page here real quick. And I can give yeah, you so a time when that. The one they had last week on Sunday, they called that the Heroes one, I think, right? So that was that, is that a different yeah. name? That is a different name. Uh, these are all going to be different names because they have an abbreviated schedule of where they're going to be uh, doing all this. Um, let's see here. Uh, the Charlotte 600 on May 24th. It's going to be on Fox at 4 p.m. our time. Um, and it's going to be called uh, – It's just right now it just says NASCAR Cup, or, uh, NASCAR Series at Charlotte 600. So that, I don't think they have any real sponsors for it. Um, I think that's the way they're going to be going just because of the lack of fans and so on and so forth, because they're just going off TV grading. Uh, I'm sure someone will jump on here when Talladega comes around at the end in Bristol, because uh, Talladega and Bristol will be uh, two of the spots that they're going to do. They have a, a really abbreviated schedule. Let me just, uh, whoops. Hey, why can't I scroll down my page? 
Let's and you know I, uh, so I watched that game or watched the race on Sunday. And I've never been a huge NASCAR fan, but I do enjoy watching it occasionally. I mean, it does get a little old uh, after a while since it's just a lot of, honestly, it's just a lot of driving. But uh, I kind of liked the fact that there was no fans because um, I felt like they focused a lot more on the sounds of the track and the sounds of the pit yeah. crews. And I, I'm not saying that they didn't do that stuff before, right? They always did the crank it up, right, where you're supposed to turn up your sound system, especially if you have a nice sound yeah. system. To- to really hear it rattle, you know, when the cars are coming by at 200 miles an hour. And, um, you know, one of our friends, uh, Jason, um, you know, from softball, I don't want to, I guess I shouldn't say his last name. I shouldn't announce people on the radio, but, um, you know, he's a big man. And his wife gave him the gift of going to Daytona one time, the 500, and uh, oh, and other races. And he said live, it's just like, just, he's like, you can't, it never gets old. You know, just it, no matter how many times those cars come zooming by, he said it just never got old just to hear that power. And I thought, you know what? You know, I would really enjoy going to a live NASCAR event. I, I'll second that. I've been to Pocono so many times. It was only about 20 miles up uh, from where I grew up in PA. Uh, I've been in Poconos at 6 a.m., you know, uh, kegs and eggs and the mud pit in turn one with the old Jeep I had uh, with girls in bikinis off of the roll bar, rolling through the mud pit and pulling out full-side four trucks with my Jeep. 35-inch tires, full roll cage, bucket seats, racing steering wheel, 360 under the hood. Heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when you – because we used to have the Budweiser seat. I think it was the Budweiser seat from the beer distributor. And uh, when they get on a restart and they come flying past you side by side, there's nothing like it you've ever seen. Yeah, just, it just it's very cool. And you know what? It was just a chance to watch live sports in the U.S., even if though that – I mean, I don't know if NASCAR is not a typical sport because it's not just the, the, the people playing, right? They're, it's really the medium of the car. But right. just to have something that was live, that was real, that was happening. And, I mean, the, the commentators didn't miss a beat. I didn't notice any difference from when it's a live show or, or when they're on site because they were doing it from a remote location. Um, it was a shame to see Jimmy Johnson crash out you know, so early since he's, he's just, you know, such an epic, you know, finisher or, or NASCAR cup series racer, which yeah, yeah. brings up a whole other question. The cup series, I never paid that much attention to it, but um, I mean, the difference between it and, and normal races, but not every race that had NASCARs. I mean, there's also the trucks and, and the, and, and the funny cars and the F1s and things like that, but just the NASCAR races, are they all part of the cup or is the cup just specific races? Kind of like how, in golf, there's the majors, aside from the, all the other tournaments. Now, the NASCAR, NASCAR is uh, – the, the, the Cup is the main series. You can break this down almost into like minor leagues of baseball. The NASCAR uh, used to last, – last year was – what used to be called the, the Winston Cup, then it was the Nextel Cup, then it was – I forget what – I forget what it is, but I think it's just the Cup now this year. I don't know if – what – I don't think they have another sponsor. Um, but the Cup is – the Cup cars are the main cars, like your major leagues. The Xfinity Series, which uh, the kid that just won that in Darlington in a short and great, his wife just had a miscarriage two nights before. He uh, was pretty emotional. I was at Darlington. They cut it short 20 laps because of rain. The Xfinity Series is like your triple A of um, the Cup Series uh, compared to baseball. You know, the cars are different, a little less horsepower. That's where your development kids, like, you know, like let's say Dale Earnhardt Sr., you know, he's the cup racer. He started with DEI racing. He brought Junior, his son, into 
there uh, back then it was um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but into uh, into that series, and um, then he worked his way up into a Cup car. Then they brought the Truck Series in for different uh, style racing, uh, where they did other events, so on and so forth. So there's years of racing, just like in IndyCar, you have the Indy cars, then you have the Indy lights, uh, is what they call them. The Indy lights will run before the, the, the Indy cars on a racetrack or the day before a lot of times. So the Indy lights are just they're smaller cars. They're less horsepower cars. It's just uh, your minor leagues are racing, just like we have the minor leagues of baseball. You know, Formula One has Formula Three. You know, when you're Formula Three, I said, uh, I believe that uh, that one girl that got flew up into almost one of the press boxes at one of the races and didn't get hurt. She's uh, 16 years old, I believe. Uh, that was a Formula 3 race. So there's all different tiers of racing, just like you could go to your local speedway down here, the Colorado Speedway here, where they do um, uh, another form of uh, just a, a lower ranks of uh, an official um, NASCAR series. So you have them all over the country, basically. They're sanctioned events. Well, yeah, I know this is interesting also is that there's some guys who race in all of the leagues, like Kyle Busch. Uh, is a very accomplished uh, the NASCAR truck series that happens on oh, Saturdays. Yeah. Usually. Um, and there was, they were talking about on last Sunday that that weekend, or maybe it was this coming weekend, this Memorial Day weekend, he was doing a Friday race, a Saturday race, a Sunday race, and a Monday race. And they were like, over those four days, he's going to drive, I don't even know how, like, you know, 2,000 laps or 1,000 laps or something. And it was just like, holy cow, man, don't you get dehydrated by the end of that, you know? But, uh, hey, if, you know, if, you, if you're racing more series, you got more chances to win. So, you know. Hey, totally Mark Martin sense. used to do that a lot. Oh, I forgot about him. Was he the, was he the, was he the M&M's car? Uh, Mark Martin used oh, to be, was, I thought, uh, a long time the Valvoline car. Not the Valvoline. Was that a Valvoline car? <laughs> God, he got to go back. Mark Martin hasn't been raced for a couple of years. It's like the, it was like a blue car, wasn't it? Like a blue and teal car yeah, or something like that? Like, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. So, no, M&M's must be – well, maybe that's Kyle Busch. I think that's yeah, Kyle Busch. It's Kyle or Kurt. It's one of the Bushes. I can tell you that. One of the, one of the Bushes, yeah. So, well, anyway, um, so, you know, we actually jumped right off of the dance, but uh, what was your uh, – so we'll go back to that now. What was your uh, overall impression of, of watching The Last Dance with the, with the Bulls uh, documentary? You know, I thought it was um... – for, for the time when they taped this, because you got to remember, this is back in, you know, at the end of it, it was 98 season. When the time they taped this, to see just the way they did everything and the way it played out, you know, putting the documentary together, watching it in 2020, they did an unbelievable job of actually how um, it all really went down. Like, if you watch 9 and 10, you know, Steve Kerr getting punched in the face by Jordan and, you know, Rodman in, in the middle of the NBA Finals, Shows up on WCW with Hollywood Hogan and the NWO and cracks, I think it was Diamond Dallas Page on the back with a chair with a cigar in his mouth. And I think they were, it was right after game four or game three of the NBA finals against the Jazz. But that was just Rodman. And that was that team. That team, and, and you see Jordan in his natural element. He's not afraid to, to have, have, have his drink. He's not afraid to smoke a cigar. He's not afraid to t- trash talk yet. He's not a. He told Larry Bird to go work on his golf game, and Bird just said sure, or he walked away shaking his head. So you know, it just showed them as real people. And I, I know the big thing with Horace Grant. I know you want to get to that uh, coming out and saying Jordan was a snitch, so on and so forth. And you're going to get people that are a little 
you know, off kilter about the way it was portrayed and so on and so forth. But I, I thought it was expertly done from start to finish. I loved it. And I, I, I understand that, uh, you know, I didn't know this at the beginning, but uh, I did come to understand that Jordan had a hundred percent control over what was in the documentary. Like he had the final say on all that stuff and, and everything yeah. like that. And so, yes, I mean, obviously if it's someone is controlling the content, it's always going to be from their standpoint, right? It's like, it's like when you have a friend that tells you about how bad their marriage is and all the horrible things their spouse is doing. And it's like, well, but you're not telling me what you're doing. You know, you're not telling me, you know, right. you're my friend, so I'm going to, I'll side with you. But you know, that's what you're always thinking about as well. What is the real story? Like what is the full, not the real story. What's the full story. And that's what always gets lost, right? You always translation, something always gets lost. Um, in that kind of thing. But uh, as far as production, absolutely fantastic. I found it very gripping. I, I kind of found the last two episodes a little bit lackluster and not because they were any worse done only because all of the really cool stuff they'd already gone over. Right. I mean, you had Jordan time at North Carolina and growing up, then you had the episode all about Pippin's background. And then you had the episode with a lot of Paxton and a lot of Kerr and a lot of Ku coach. And then you had the episode all about Rodman's, you know, craziness, especially when he uh, disappeared for a little while. And then, you know, the one about Scotty's, you know, injury and then, and then delaying surgery and, and being angry about his contract and all those things. And um, I mean, I, I, I hope that Pippen didn't feel too slighted. And I kind of, I've read that maybe he felt a little bit slighted by Jordan, but I think that when it comes to Jordan, you just have to remember that there's a reason that guy was so amazing. And it's because he had an unstoppable drive and an unbelievable type a personality. And that's going to rub people the wrong way. At some point, there's very rare that you will have a type a personality person that has people who, you know, even their good friends don't have a few stories of, well, you know, they did this to me and that was really, you know, messed up. And so um, I, I, there's no way for that not to happen, especially when you're talking about professional sports, right? And Horace Grant went somewhere else. And so, you know, Jordan's going to have a little bit of vindiction about that. You know, you, you left us, you know, even though Jordan technically was the one who left, right? Because <laughs> he had to go play baseball. Cause, yeah. um, and then there was a whole issue about, you know, why he went to play baseball. And there was some cool retrospective articles about his time playing baseball and, about he was much better than a lot of people gave him credit for in terms of how well he played until he decided to go back to basketball and that he probably wouldn't have gone back to basketball as abruptly as he did if it hadn't been for the work stoppage, right? I mean, he was like, I won't cross picket lines. You know, didn't want to be a scab. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's just, it was very well done. It was very engaging. It was very fun. And, one thing I found interesting, and I'm curious if this happens in your circles as well. Um, my stepdad, uh, you know, um, um, his very good friend who, uh, who's a fan of our show, uh, some other people, you know, send me some articles and other things and, and, and personal reflections about how they didn't like Michael Jordan very much and that he was very pompous, that he was a bully, that he was, uh, vin- you know, so vindictive. I mean, like his, you know, and I had forgotten all about it until my, until it was mentioned, brought up to me, the, his induction speech in the hall of fame was kind of embarrassing. It was really just a, let me spend my time here just bashing those people I don't like or insulting people that pissed me off or things like that, as opposed to just telling you his story, you know, and it makes you kind of think about Tom Brady in the way that like, it's just like Jordan, despite being amazing, despite winning the national title at North Carolina, when he was very, uh, was a freshman maybe, uh, or maybe a sophomore that he went to play for, 
you know, Team USA won a gold medal you know, before the Dream Team. He went there as a college player. And, you know, he's got all these accomplishments. He's done so much. You know, you and I, you know, we love him, right? I mean, we just love the guy. It was, it's part of the reason I think we love this documentary is it brings back our childhood. Jordan was yep. our school high school you know i mean he played a little bit after high school of course for you know for both of us but that was really when he was just i mean that was just in the middle of all the just the the miracle of of what that team was which was so incredible of a basketball team uh that lasted the time the amount of time it did and you know you'll always think about if jordan hadn't had to leave those two years i mean pippen almost took him to the finals that one year and then the other year jordan was completely out of gas by the time they got into the playoffs when he when he came back over from baseball so you know they could have won eight in a row, which would have been, I wish they had, because then that would be like a cement of, you know, no one he's ever questioned. You know, this was just in this, in this era of basketball to do that is incredible. But I think it was really shocked me when somebody didn't like Jordan. And so I, I was surprised how many old, you know, and I guess maybe part of it is also they're the generation before me or, or, or the generation older than me, whatever you say that, that don't seem to view him in, in the same light that I do. Have you gotten that kind of feedback from anybody, or have, have you not noticed that? Uh, I haven't gotten that feedback, but I can see where they're, com- where, where they're coming from. Um, the people that grew up more, because when, when Magic, uh, Kareem, and Bird uh, were the superstars, we were in, you know, grade school. So we didn't get that much exposure to that, those guys. We got a little bit of it because, you know, at the end is when Jordan came in on those guys. So, I mean, I could see a couple, some people that are a little bit older than us that uh, could think he was a bully and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me. Every generation is going to have their favorite players. You know, if you would talk to my dad, he would say, well, Chamberlain is probably the best uh, basketball player ever. Right, right. I know my, uh, my ex-brother-in-law. Uh, he was adamant about Larry Bird being the greatest player that he'd ever seen. Now, he actually changed uh, his tune on that when Jordan won the second three titles. He was like, well, when he came back and did that, that was kind of uh, – was. it's hard to deny at that point that this guy's, you know, has done something yeah. incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just overall, very uh, a, a wonderful documentary for if you were a fan especially. Um, I will enjoy watching it again. I – the first like four episodes to me were unbelievably awesome, but overall just, I, I just liked them all. So yeah, I would give a two thumbs up recommendation, especially if you are a fan of the bulls from that era, just go into it knowing it's all a one sided view and uh, just enjoy it. It's like if the Dodgers win a world series and I buy the, well, I don't even know who does them anymore. It'd be ESPN or MLB or sports illustrated, whoever does those videos that you know recap everything. I'll buy that and I'll watch it, enjoy, and not care about anything bad that happened. You know. Oh, exactly. So yeah, the uh, one, the, one of the one of the points I, I like about you know this is all access. One of the the uh, moments in this, uh, I think it was episode, I think it was episode nine. It might have been ten, but the uh, the Father's Day game. It was the first time he won the championship without his after his dad uh, got murdered, um, and. It, he he literally went into the locker room, fell on the floor, and broke down crying. I mean, it was, this was all access to Jordan is really what it was. So it, it's it's one of those things where you know you get to look at someone in the all access pose, and uh, it's just uh, it's a it's an amazing piece of work you have to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Do yourself a favor, <clears throat> especially if you've got some uh, alone time. <laughs> 
uh, during the during the pandemic. You know, it's funny. Uh, we had a uh, office happy hour uh, with upper management at my company uh, on Thursday, and it was just fun. You know, I mean, everybody. You know, I mean, you didn't have to have alcohol. You could just have any drink. But um, mainly, what we did is just kind of shared somebody you know in the company that not part of your business unit who had been helpful to you, which is always good. It's always, it's always nice to, right. uh, you know, create synergy between teams and things like that. And then uh, people would talk about, you know, kind of what they've been doing during the pandemic and then what the first thing they, that they're looking forward to doing uh, when things get as back, you know, a little bit back to normal or mine of course was, you know, I'd like to have play a little bit of fantasy football, like a little bit of fantasy sports, maybe throwing a little fantasy sports. And if there's time, play some fantasy sports. So uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. And then we were talking about TV shows, you know, like what, what are you binge watching right now? And it was so funny because of how many people were like, I've been too busy to binge watch anything. I just, at the end of the day, I'm just exhausted. And it's just because the industry we work in, we, we've almost doubled our size in three months and we're going to yeah. probably do it again in the next four months and then maybe do it again over the next year. So uh, it, it's wonderful actually for us. I mean, uh, you know, always find silver linings if you can, you know, in life and, this COVID uh, pandemic is not a fun thing to go through, but you know, my, my company and my personal like position, I could come out smelling like a rose after this with a much better, you know, position and a much larger portfolio and, and all sorts of positive okay. things like that. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> so uh, Churchill Downs opening up racing with no fans. Is that this weekend? Was that next week? Or? Uh, they, la- they actually did it last week, and I think it was uh, nine races on the card. Um, and, yeah, they ran it with no fans. Uh, I think everyone, all the uh, the trainers, I, mean, I, I think they were on a 14-day quarantine. Um, I'm not sure of the racing schedule, how many they're going to be doing, but uh, I think they wanted to get back. Cause just uh, your horse racing is you're in contact with your horse, and, you know, you get in contact with other jockeys, but, you know, as long as they're staying there and, and they're being in their bubble at Churchill Downs, um, you know, hey, why not go for it? Let's get some betting going on. The horses there. And, you know, that's one thing. Yeah, betting is – and, you know, now that betting is legal, it's funny because you can tell that the, the casinos of the states are like, well, now let's get this going. We were kind of – we need this revenue because we're not getting sales oh, exactly. tax revenue and, uh, or even or payroll revenue, right, because there's no – so many people have lost their jobs. I mean, in Colorado, it's – I don't know how many people I, we're we're not as bad as other states. We're at like 11% unemployment right now, which is actually like four points better than nationally. But I, it's like 30 million jobs or or no, I guess it's 30 million people, almost 40 million people overall in the country uh, who have jobs. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, hopefully things can get kind of back to normal. I mean, like I said, for people like me, there's just that that issue of where you're not really going to feel safe going out until you at least know you either had it and survived it or that you can get, or that you know that there's a treatment for it. And every day, fingers crossed, a little bit more. We read a little bit more. They've learned a little bit more. They study a little bit more. And if they can just find something that keeps your, either one of two things. One, keep the virus from replicating at such a fast rate, which it does inside your body at just an incredible rate once it takes over some cells, kind of like cancer uh, does. I mean, not not the same mechanism, but in that idea that it just it propagates inside your system so quickly. So if they can find a drug that stops that, which would probably mean a drug that makes it difficult for the uh, spike on the virus to connect to your organs or to your tissues. The other thing would be um, something that keeps your body from overreacting. And that's a lot of what um, the deaths are coming from or the the ventilators and things like that. It is because – my cats keep trying to walk on my computer. Um, The (laughs) – 
Yeah, yeah, he just well, he knows if he wants to go outside, and so he knows the one way to get my attention is to walk on my computer. <laughs> he does that during work yeah. all the time. Thank goodness that clients have. Uh, thank goodness a lot of my clients have kids that uh, interrupt phone calls because that way, if my cat walks across the screen, they're like, "Oh no, that's no problem," you know. As opposed well, to that's, before, that's your traffic jam. Uh, that's your traffic. Your Gizmo's your traffic jam going to work from one room to the other every day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he makes my commute a living hell. So. Um, but uh, the other, the other kind of drug that would be helpful, uh, if not something that stops it from replicating would be something that stops your body from overreacting. And inflammation is a big problem. Like we talked about with, you know, kids getting that syndrome. And then there's also just people whose lungs don't do well, or people whose heart have problems. Most of this is due to an overreaction by your body. So it's, it's inflammation. It's, you know, it's, 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 you know, uh, uh, overproduction of things. It's just, it's, you know, your body is so well designed to take on viruses and foreign bodies and things like that. But the problem is if it goes into overdrive, if it goes too aggressive, uh, it can actually be the thing that kills you. And, and for most people, it's why it's so hard for them to decide if they should mark a disease or a death, excuse me, a death as part of a COVID because it's like, well, no, the person had a heart attack. Oh, no, the person had a blood clot. Oh, no, the person had, you know, all these different things. But it's like, well, they wouldn't have died from it if it wasn't for COVID. And that's what makes it so tricky because the people aren't necessarily right. dying from the virus itself. They're dying from a reaction to the virus. And um, especially like people who have like had a transplant. I've got a neighbor who had a double lung transplant. And she's, you know, thank- thankfully she is fine. She has not had any symptoms. She's being very careful to stay in her home for the most part. Um, but, you know, if you have a transplant, you have to take drugs that lower your immune system so it doesn't uh, so your own body doesn't attack your transplanted organ. And so that makes them even more susceptible to disease. Right. But there was another person I know about. Uh, and I don't know if I talked about this last week. Uh, they were very healthy in their low, uh, early 50s, very good shape, you know, a big time athlete uh, in their personal life, worked uh, on an airline as a steward and uh, was put on a ventilator for a little while. Uh, survived it, got off the ventilator. Everybody was so happy and so excited and like, okay, you know, we made it through. And then he had a fever spike and that fever spike caused some inflammation and his body was so weak from all the, you know, stuff it had been through, it just shut down and he died. And so, you know, do you call a COVID-19 death? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like, yeah, he wouldn't have died if it wasn't for the COVID, but the COVID didn't kill him. It was a symptom reaction to, to the COVID. And was that, was that fever from COVID itself? I don't know that you know, I mean, fevers can be caused by a lot of things. And he might've just gotten a fever from something else, uh, whether it be a virus or just a body reaction to something. And, and that's what killed him. So um, when people keep looking at the death numbers changing and jumping up and down, uh, that's the thing. It, we just, you know, we don't know enough yet. So, um, yeah, and that, that is the thing. We just don't know. So if we go to baseball opening or not just baseball opening, but anything opening, uh, I mean, you also put in here about, how UFC, you know, has, has been holding fights with no fans, and it's been going pretty well. I mean, again, give people something to watch right now, and people are going to be ecstatic. I mean, tell me, what can you read online and what can you watch live TV-wise that isn't something old right now? Because otherwise, it's all the virus, and there's not enough happening to give you entertainment or my entertainment, um, just just taking up your attention is hard because I don't want to keep hearing about this thing all day, every day. It gets boring. 
Oh, and yeah. so there's an advancement, you know, they're, I mean, if there's even a, a slight thing, like they had that one vaccine where they had the trial of like eight people, eight people, okay, a double blind trial that actually is effective in terms of like the FDA and stuff for a drug, you have to have lots of patients, lots of control people, people in the control group, a placebo group, it's a double blind, you know, there's a lot of things that have to go into it. And so people got way too excited about this. And I think they just did it to raise the stock price. But all that, all they really said was that the vaccine first trial with those eight people, no one, no one had such bad side effects that they died or couldn't take it. And so that's not a cure. That's not a vaccine. That's just saying, okay, it didn't kill people. Now we can see if it's effective. So, um, you know, it's just people are jumping the gun so much. But I wonder, you know, we've got NHL looking to open soon. NBA is, is really probing it and seeing if they can get it going because they know that they, they only have so much more time before they have to do this if they're going to finish out the season or they just have to roll over to next season. And right, right. I, you know, I, I'd like to have you kind of review what the plan is for NHL and what do you think would happen? Let's say we get to the second round and one team has an outbreak. What happens at that point? You know, <clears throat> that's a really good question. And that's the, the, the part of the NHL right now. And I commend them because they're coming up with their playoff format, which I said, the NHLPA has approved it yesterday, last night, actually. And uh, it goes off to the NHL now. It's, uh, let me just give you the, what, they, what they did. It's 2014 um, base format to reopen. Now, they took out the teams like the San Jose Sharks, who are in last place in the whole NHL. There's no reason to put any, waste any money on testing those people, bringing them into the bubble, putting anyone at risk through anything. Um, they're just they're not they're out of it because we were so close to the end of the season they can't make the playoffs so why make them um, change up what they're doing now and actually have to come play through this where they're trying to streamline it to make it effective so what's going to happen is when they 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 stop the suspend of the season um, you're going to take top four teams in each league in the east was Boston Tampa Washington and Philly in the west it was St Louis Colorado Vegas and Dallas they are locked into the playoffs now. Seeds five two. They're going to do five through twelve. They took some. They took some. Um, the, the teams that were in the race. They, they they got to the the number of teams that were in the race for the wild card. They're going to do a five game series to get the last spot to make it an actual sixteen team, eight teams per conference uh, format to get to into a playoff mode. So the NHL is a little like two months ahead of well, a month and a half ahead or two months ahead of the NBA where their end of the season was, because the end of the season was coming up really, really fast. Um, so they came down, and I think the, uh, the, uh, the NHL and the owners will actually approve this. Now they have to come into what Paul was talking about, um, you know, the testing, how many times you're tested, the quarantine situation, what happens if a player tests positive, um, who did he sit next to on the bench, who was he on the ice again, um, how long do you quarantine for um, they have international players in the NHL. Some of these people have not been back into the States or they're out of the country. So they're requiring a 14-day quarantine when they come back into the country. Do they have to do another 14-day quarantine when they come back into, these, into the bubble of where they're going to play? So that's, that's a month-long quarantine. Um, and that's something the NBA has to look at, too, because they have a couple international players that are stuck out of the country. So how long do you quarantine? And, and if we do get a case, and someone tests positive, you know, this is the, all, the, the biggest unknown there absolutely is. What do you do 
and how many players is the whole team or both both teams you have to quarantine and how far back does that set um you know getting the season or getting to a Stanley Cup uh over into you know cuz the uh, hockey starts in October you know they start at right in the middle of right in the beginning of October their preseason is in September so it's not very far away. What's that? Oh, just saying that's not very far away. No, it's not very far away. So it, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, they've got the format that they approve. The NBA has three different formats that they have to pick right now, but hockey has their, as long as the, the owners, the, the commissioner and the owners approve, which everybody, I, everybody I've seen and I've seen interviews and I've looked at a couple hockey articles, it, it sounds like even when the players have said, yeah, we love this format, it's great, the, 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 the players on the teams that had no chance, they're, they're fine with it. They were like, there's no reason for this. You know, I forget the guy in the San Jose Sharks, but there's no reason for us to be there. You know, we don't need to uproot it, make it even more difficult to decide how to do this and so on and so forth. So, you know, hockey is the first one that has their plan in place. Now it comes down to how to get the players back into the country, how to get them tested, how much testing – and, um, you know, something, in, you know, with the baseball, you know, because I, I know the baseball players have concerns about testing protocols, which we'll get into. But it comes down to the testing and the protocols because, you know, we haven't crossed that situation yet where they're playing. And now all of a sudden, what do you do if someone does test positive? Now what happens? Because if you look at a, the Oklahoma City game, you know, all of a sudden the Utah players tested positive. They got quarantined. And um, Oklahoma City, they got quarantined. But the league suspended then. So nothing really ever happened because the league suspended because of that's when the outbreak really happened here. Even though we know that the coronavirus was, came into the country, I think at the end of November now, they, they've actually traced it to of last year. So, you know, that's the big variable that we're really looking at um, in every sport is what do we do if someone does test positive to not create a complete outbreak in a sport? Right, because, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess I – I am two things I was thinking. One is uh, players or, or fans, excuse me, fans in this country need to accept that for this season, if, uh, if, and when, or, you know, we have sports and then next year when we hopefully for sure do have sports until we have a vaccine or a really good treatment for this thing, you got to be ready for the fact that your team could make a playoff somewhere and your best player is going to miss three weeks because they catch it and they have to be quarantined. And yeah. Mike Trout uh, of, of the uh, Anaheim Angels, well, Los Angeles Angels, brought up a really good point, and that is that his wife is expecting their first child. And it would probably happen, I think it's supposed to happen like in July or August. And he's like, so what are you telling me that I have to, you know, if I'm going to be playing baseball and then I find out my wife is going to the hospital, I can't go be in the room with her because I have to be quarantined? Exactly. He's like, well, that's not going to work. And he goes, or if I go to see her with the baby and have the baby and everything, then I have to wait 21 days before I come back and play baseball. He's like, I don't know which one of those is going to be, but if you think I'm going to choose playing baseball over being there for the birth of my first child, you're crazy. And I thought, you know, that's a really good point. He might be like, I'm not willing to come back and play until after my wife's had her baby, you know? And then even then he's going to be like, is he going to want to leave the baby alone all the time? You know, it's one thing if you had to go on a work trip and you can hire a nanny and uh, other, you know, and a cook and everything to help your wife while you're gone for on the trip. But then, you know, it could be this one. They're like, well, you can't go home because the baby, you know, is susceptible or the wife is susceptible because her immune system has dropped after having given birth. You know, I mean, like, 
and how many guys, especially a guy you know like him, he's a family guy, and he's not going to want to be away from his family. He's not going to want to miss his family. So when they kind of were floating those ideas about playing everything down in the, in the spring training complexes and then just quarantining for the, the, the season, the only way that works, and it may not even work this way, is you say we're going to have one month of games, we're going to play a lot of doubleheaders, uh, we're just going to do this to just determine who makes the playoffs, it's going to be a very truncated season. You're going to spend most of your time playing the same five teams that are in your area because you're all quarantined together. And then we're going to have the playoffs. I mean, that's really the only way I see it working. And I'll be honest, as far as baseball goes, I don't think we're going to have baseball because, you know, in basketball, I can see there being an issue uh, with, of course, the close contact, right. And the breathing, but with baseball, even though it's outside, what makes baseball different, is the amount of intentional um, exposing of bodily fluid, right? So spitting sunflower seeds, spitting tobacco, spitting just in general. Um, yeah, you can say to everybody, oh, you can't do that anymore. Good luck. Good luck. You're not going to break habits like that. You, that doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, so I just, you know, or like, um, <clears throat> I, you know, I just – there's just so many people in close contact, you know, at least with basketball, it's only so many people. There's only so many guys on a, on a, on a roster. You can probably say, you know what, these four guys who are not uh, playing in games right now, we're going to have them not actually attend games so that they only are exposed to our players during practice. And it's the rest of the time in isolation so that if someone gets sick, we can bring them on or bring them up and they won't have it. You know, I, there's just so many logistics that it makes my head spin just trying to think about it. So, for for hockey, basketball, base, and football for this year, before we hit January, what percentage do you give each league of starting back up? Oh, that's a good, that's an interesting question. Actually, that's a double sided question. Actually, um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, last Sunday when I worked, I worked up to about three o'clock, did my last uh, drop off, and got my stuff, and I felt. Com- so unsafe where I was. Uh, there was so many people not wearing masks, even though it's mandated in Denver County that you are supposed to. Walking around, getting too close to me, I actually stopped at about three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday because I felt unsafe. And my normal procedures, I have hand sanitizer, I have uh, Clorox wipes, I hand sanitize, I get a Clorox, I wipe my phone down, I wipe my hands back down with a wipe, and um, that's how I do it. I get home. I take my clothes off, I throw them in the laundry, I get right in the shower, and I call it my decontamination shower, and, actually, and I take a, a nice long hot shower, um, soapy shower. And uh, last night I was so exhausted after I got back from doing it, um, I, I got on the couch and I put my afghan on, I had my air conditioner cranked up, I fell asleep at 6 o'clock, I wanted to watch Pairing Sea Gold, I woke up at 10, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I had dinner in the fridge that I picked up um, over at Torsi's. And I ended up eating dinner at like 1030 and falling back to sleep. So I, there, there's, this, there's this whole variable here. Uh, and especially going into this weekend, people are going to push their limits. We saw the pictures, if you, if you watch the local news, of uh, Boulder Creek and all the people out there standing a foot away from each other. Um, we're going to have people that are going to do barbecues this weekend. They're going to go to the, par- the parks that have been packed yesterday, uh, even when I was driving around working. Um, you know, I'm going to work after the show. I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm going to work Monday because people are going to, you know, want some more product or so on and so forth. Um, it's, it, it all comes down to, are, you, are we going to see the next 
fight coming in two weeks where we all of a sudden we, we look at all the plans we've made so far in these sports that we say we can't even do this. Now we have to rethink everything. And our timeline is shrinking because the next year has to start at a certain time too, or do you scrap next year and play out this year as late as you can? Um, there's a whole variable list here because we're in such unprecedented waters that we really don't know because I personally think after this weekend, in two weeks we're going to see a spike again um, where I know the orange menace said that we're not going to have another lockdown of the country, but, you know, it almost – you have to play it by ear every day. Well, I think one big thing to be aware of is that um, – you know, we did do a you know we did a social distancing and and look, I mean, I just know that people only have so long they can do it. I mean, I'm an introvert. I love to do podcasting. I love to write. I love to play video games. I love to watch TV. I love to read. Um, and I've liked reorganizing my house and like, getting my closets all like organized, right. and getting rid of crap and all that kind of stuff. And so I've been okay with being at home. But I can tell you, as a person who's not an outdoor person, right? I mean, I don't like summer. I don't like it when it's hot. I don't even like outdoors that much, to be honest. And I can tell you that when I go out with my pet to out and go walk around the park and, or walk around the, uh, the apartment complex or the little park that we have next to us here, I don't want to go back inside. And so coming oh, from yeah. a person who's an outdoor person and doesn't want to go back inside, it shows you how trapped you're starting to feel. And no, I'm not, I don't think that, that ridiculousness about, you know, you're losing your freedoms or any garbage like that. I'm just saying it's one thing to stay at home it's another thing to never be out socializing. And even for a person who's right. not a big social person, I was going to work every day. You know, I mean, I was seeing my office mates and my work, my coworkers, and we were chatting. Or I would see someone at the store. Or uh, you'd go to get a couple of drinks somewhere. You know, maybe I only do that once a month. But, you know, two hours sitting there drinking with somebody, having a good time chatting with two or three people. You know, now you realize that something that small would be so helpful. You know, it would really make you feel so much better. And, yeah, you can do it over Zoom or you can do it on, you know, Facebook Messenger or whatever. It's not the same thing. It does. It's, it, it's just not. I mean, I, I thought it would be similar. It's not. I see coworkers every day we chat on uh, Microsoft Teams. I mean, I probably have 7 to 12 conference calls a day, which is mind-numbing. But, right. You know, and some of yeah. them are, are, are for work stuff and some of them are just to chat or catch up about something. It's not the right. same. It's just there's a difference when you're actually in having human contact. And so, like I said, I, we have to accept that people are going to need to get the hell out of the house. They're just, are just, there's only so long you can do this without losing your mind, especially because, yes, this is a deadly virus. It is killing up to 4% in certain areas. Not quite that high, I don't think, in the U.S., but overall, like worldwide, it's 4% death rate. And, yeah, it's not a big death rate, but think of it this way. I gave you a bottle or a bag with a, with a hundred Skittles. And I said, but four of them will kill you. You're not going to eat any of them, right? You're going to be like, well, that's not worth exactly. eating any of them. And so that's the problem. Even when we open things up, a lot of people aren't going to be, are going to be too afraid to go outside. And that just adds to the claustrophobia that you're like, well, I want to go outside, but I'm even scared to like that. My, my neighbor with a double lung transplant, it's like, you know what? I, I, I don't want to die right now. I, I want to get through this. And even yeah. if my odds are small of dying, it's, it's still no one wants, wants to die. So, you know, that's, that's where everything gets, you know, punched down. And at the beginning of the show, I talked about, I think it is time to kind of open things up. I mean, we just kind of have to see 
how bad things still are. I mean, we, we kind of have to get a sense of things. And also because there's just too many people who are ignoring the – they're not even rules. They're just like suggestions to be safe. And so many people are just like, I'm not going to follow that rule. I don't want to wear a mask, and I don't want to wear gloves, or I'm going to wear gloves, but I'm going to wear my gloves the entire day outside no matter how many things I touch. And so I've completely destroyed you know, the benefit of wearing a glove in the first place. Um, but you look at – we, we did flatten the curve. We did very well. New York, of course, was very hard hit. New Jersey was somewhat hard hit. But for the most part, outside of New York, which actually it kind of started dropping off right when that aircraft carrier or that, that, uh, that uh, medical ship got there, it was on its way down, and, and they're doing much, much better now. Uh, people are still dying, of course, but they're, they're doing much, much better. And so are like a lot of the major places that were hit in the beginning. But what are we seeing? We saw today, this morning is that Alabama is now having their, like they have, Alabama is very similar to a lot of Southern states. And I have to say, again, I went to the South a couple of times for sales meetings recently, and my impression of the South was blown away. It was, it's a, it's a great area. I mean, I never, haven't been there in summer, which I'm sure is miserable heat-wise, but the people, the <laughs> food, the architecture, the the vibe, the 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 level of, of relaxation compared to kind of the go, go, go cities and stuff. Awesome. I mean, really fun. Savannah, Georgia's top on my list. That place was just awesome. Oh, just yeah. a cool city. And, but what's, but what is different down there is that they are lots of rural area, lots of small towns and small towns don't have real hospitals. They don't have uh, ICU units. They don't have high tech tools as much because it's very expensive to to run those kind of places and you have to do it where you have a large population center and you can afford it. And what's happening in Alabama right now is there's a whole bunch of people getting sick and they're having to send them to hospitals that are over a hundred miles away because the closest hospital yeah. to them doesn't have any ICU beds left. And that's what we're going to be looking at coming up. And I'm cognizant of it. I'm not ignoring it. I think it's going to happen a lot. And I think that's where the problem with sports is going to come in is that all of these Southern States where, I mean, you can't just say, Oh, well, we're not going to have the Atlanta Braves. Oh, we're not going to have the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, we're not going to have the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, you can't just say, Oh, we're just going to get rid of a few teams for a while here. And those States, that's where the problem is going to be where they aren't, they haven't, that they didn't flatten their curve because they hadn't had their curve yet. They're getting their curve now. And how do you set, shut down five or six states and then have everything else going and, and, and still run a, foot, a, a, a sports league? I mean, I just – I don't even know how you – I don't even know how that's even conceivable. And if we get closer and closer to opening up these sports, let's say, in, let's say they all are aiming for July. Well, July could be – we could be at the worst of our pandemic numbers at that point. With all these southern states, without enough health care for people, without ventilators, without ICU units, what if we start losing 3,000 people a day? I mean, yeah, I can say, like, well, it's only 3,000 people out of 330 million. It's not that many people. Yeah, but wait until you see how people react to that. People were reacting badly when we were at 1,500. When we were at 2,000, it was like a big deal. And then I think we even hit maybe 3,000 for a, like a week or so, and it was like, oh, my God, everybody got to be like, what's going on? I mean, what if this happens the second time, but this time there is no fixing it, right? You can't make field hospitals that are complex enough. And, you know, the Army Corps engineers goes in and makes them. I mean, I hope that they're, I hope they're planning for it now. Like, you know, Denver, we had that one in the convention center, right? And I don't think we even used it. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, never used it. Yeah. 
is great. We didn't have to use it. But I mean, yeah, I just I don't I just I don't honestly don't see how it works. You know, like when Paul was telling us about baseball in Taiwan and kind of them, it they're small. I mean, it's 23 million people, but it's a small overall number in terms of just trying to keep control. And right. You know, with the attitudes of America, which again I say like a big reason why we've been so successful as a country is that never say die kind of attitude, but I think that's hurting us here because do you do you ever wonder if everybody had just been serious for the last six weeks and everybody stayed home? I mean, we wouldn't be ha- we wouldn't have that many cases anymore. And if we got to where there was a few enough cases, you know, we'd have to be very careful about people coming into the country. But if we got it down to a small enough a number of new cases coming out in, in the country, then you know you could open things back up, and it wouldn't be such a big deal because there wouldn't be so many people with it. But we're opening things up. We're still getting twenty four to twenty five thousand new cases a day. That, I mean, that is crap. So I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you have any ideas, but I mean, I just, I'm baffled at how we even start playing sports. Which makes you know, mad. like I, it, this, this is a, this is it. it it changes every day, almost minute to minute to minute to minute sometimes of what's really going to take place and so on and so forth. Like I said, it's great to, you know, that we're in the planning stages of all this and, um, and, and we're, we're trying to figure it out. But like I said, in three days, we could be in a totally different situation. In two weeks, we could be in a really bad situation. We just, there's no information out there that's going to really take us forward you know, if, if people practice the safety guidelines and so on and so forth, which I can tell you right now, they're not. I'm out there in the public all the time with what I do, and I can tell you they're not. Even when they make announcements over loudspeakers, they're available for sale right up there. They don't, these, these people aren't getting them, and they refuse to wear it, a mask or something like that. And it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of United States ignorance. Um, thinking that we're invincible. Um, you're not going to be invincible to this virus, even if you think it's a, a fake virus that the orange menace is put out there to everyone and, and uh, you know, we're, you, conspiracy theories left and right. You got armed people in Michigan at the, at the state capitol saying, we're not going to do this. We're not going to open up the businesses. I, I don't know. We all need to, you know, we're all in this together. You know, hashtag all in this together. Um and people really just need to be cognizant of the person next to you, you know, maybe in a, better, a worse situation than you are. We have so many people unemployed. You know, we, we have to be smart is the biggest thing of the way we do things. And I can just tell you, looking on my Facebook page, hey, there's a lot of people that are. Um, and then you just start looking at the, the pictures from Boulder Creek last weekend, you know, when it, when it was in, in – when it hit, what, I think it hit 90 last weekend. And um, – <laughs> You know, there's people lined on the, on, on, on the creeks, you know, arm in arm practically. So as a nation, we, I mean, I, I love that we're trying to reopen the sports and getting the economy going, but we have to be cognizant of the way we do it. And if you go get takeout, like I get a lot of takeout. I go through drive throughs You know, I, I used to be you know, in the restaurant business, bartending business. So I, I support, I always over tip those guys for being in there, um, you know, especially over towards these. They're great. It's right outside my door. Um, and, you know, I get takeout from wherever's up. Like, my favorite pizza place isn't open right now because they're just too small to open up, and it'd be hard for them to, you know, create all those, all the plexiglass and this and that, which, you know, I love their pizza, Giorgio's. 
down there um, off of T- Tamarack. But uh, you know, we 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 get we got to realize, you know, we look at the we watch ESPN all the time. We see that the plans are in place. We're talking about the plans in the NHL right now. You know that they have their 24 team system that's going to go on to a vote to the the owners. This could just completely change in two weeks. You know, it's such a fluid situation. We just don't know how it's going to end up. And here's another thing that you can throw on top of there. And it'd be, you know, interesting kind of how you think this would affect. And and we may have talked about this briefly last week, but the real, the real change thing would be somebody dies who's very famous. You know, let's say Clayton Kershaw catches it and dies. Now, Every player is like, I mean, what would be the odds that every player wouldn't be like, I'm no longer willing to play? I, I mean, think if, if something like that, that's, I was actually almost going to actually say that. <laughs> if if something like a major, like one of the players actually dies in one of these sports from getting it, I mean, you're looking at a complete sports shutdown, I think. You know, you can't have opening up sports and having someone die um, because we're trying to open up sports for the public and still think people are going to want to go out there and play. Um, that, and that's my opinion. I mean, what would you do if someone, if you were a player and you're one of your, uh, y- your teammates died from this virus and they're like, well, we're going to go play and still play. It's like, what do you do? <laughs> right. And I mean, I guess I, 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 and I never, it's weird how little these stories are, are shared, but like something like, um, that that guy who caught it for the Utah Jazz, the first one that tested positive, and he and his and his teammate got it, and I can't remember who what yeah. his name was, the guy that was licking the microphones, and uh, like, well, I mean, he must not have it anymore. It's it's been two months. I mean, did he did he have any symptoms at all? Did he get sick at all? And I don't know if he had any symptoms of it. I know they were quarantined, um, and uh, I, I think everything came out fine. I know. Barkley had got the doctors quarantined Barkley right when this all happened. Because he was in New York and traveled to Atlanta and he felt ill. He got quarantined and tested and he didn't have it. But um, you know that was because they did a uh, TNT did one of the basketball shows right after they suspended the season and Barkley was called in from Atlanta. And uh, you know that was a, you know this was right at the, we've only been in this pandemic for uh, let's see well that's the Thursday Friday seventy three days since the, the shutdown of all the sports, 73 days since uh, the, the NBA suspended play. So it's only been 73 days. And like I said with, the, you know, your friend Paul, they opened back up in March. So they're way, their their spikes and, and, and their plateaus um, happened way before ours. You know, we're way behind when it comes to all this. Just like uh, Brazil, uh, Brazil, their, their healthcare system is about to collapse because they're oh, yeah. in the height of it right now. Yeah, they're they're in trouble, and they didn't have a good healthcare system to begin with. They don't have any money, which right. is going to make it hard. And you know what? You're bringing up another point that I think is important, and that is, there's is twofold. And, and they talked about this on our local radio show here, not you know, earlier this week. And that is, you know, to to do these openings right, right? They're going to have to test players a lot. They're just going to have to. They're going to be like at least once a week, right? They're going to be like, we got to make sure nobody has it and is spreading it around. And if that happens, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are still saying that they've got symptoms and they can't get a test. They can't get tested. And, you know, how are people going to feel when they're like, well, wait a minute, how come these baseball players can get tested once a week? And I, I, a person with bad lungs and and heart disease, and I can't get a test even though I've got symptoms. 
You know, like what's going on? I have to go to three doctors to find one that's going to give it to me. So, you know, would that cause resentment? Would that cause anger at the sports leagues, you know, for getting it? But then if you don't do those tests, you don't know who has it. By the time you find out someone had it because they got symptoms, they could have been contagious for two weeks. And so now you find out that, you know, you've got the Cubs and they were playing against the Cardinals, right? They've got that storied rivalry. Well, you know, the batters and the, uh, the baseball players, you know, the hitters are getting on base or going up to the, uh, up to the plate and sharing air with the, with the catchers and with the first baseman, the third baseman, whatever. You know, this thing is so virulent. It, it spreads so easily compared to normal viruses that, you know, you got the one per- – let's, uh, let's, let's say Javier Baez has it. Well, if he doesn't get tested for two weeks and he didn't feel sick at all, and maybe he's never had symptoms, maybe he never got sick from it. He was all asymptomatic. But two weeks later, you find out the entire Cubs team, the entire Cardinals team uh, have been infected, all of them, all their trainers, all their coaches, all their, you know, whatever. Now you're worrying about, like, the, you know, uh, if you have no fans, then maybe you don't have to worry about food staff, but, you know, janitors and anybody. And all of these people, even if you're quarantining some of them, are you really going to quarantine all of them? I mean, like, even if they're not sick, no, they're going to want to go home. I mean, they can't just live in a hotel. I mean, have you ever stayed in right. a hotel long term? It's not, it's not fun. I mean, you may seem fun <laughs> at first, but after, you know, the, the newness wears off quickly. You know, like after a week in a hotel, yeah. you're like, uh, I'd like to go home. And, you know, I just, that's what, that's what I keep thinking about. Or, or let's say NFL, you know, let's say you've got it and everything's going well, but one, one dude, so like in the soccer league, what happened is that one coach, they were all in a, in, a, in, a, in a hotel together, right? And it was like a quarantine of the hotel. You can't leave so that you can't catch it. And so we're only going to be going to play, the, to play the games, right? And that was how they were figuring everything out. Well, the coach ran out of toothpaste. And instead of asking for it from the front desk or whatever, for whatever reason, he left and went to a pharmacy to get it or wherever he went to get it. And he came back and they found out he had left. So then they, they barred him from being having any contact with the team. But let's say somebody did that and no one knew it and they did catch something or one of the people at the hotel staff brings in something. Now, all of a sudden, you know, let's say you've, let's say you've got all football teams staying in hotels and away from people. And we're like, well, we're just going to we're just going to play seven weeks and then we're going to take a uh, we're going to play seven games, eight games. And then we're going to take a five week hiatus so everybody can go home and see their family for three weeks. And then they'll come back in quarantine for two weeks and practice. And then we'll start the season back up. Right. Maybe you could do something clever like that. But. What if one person got it and it wasn't diagnosed and it went through their team and it didn't spread to other teams, right? It's just the Atlanta Falcons, right? Let's just say that. How much does that, I mean, how, how much like integrity does the season have if, if you've got one team that can't play? And so now their opponents can't play. And so they're going to be a game behind. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's just, just little things like that could derail everything couple of days in i i don't know i will say this uh german i'm sorry go ahead go ahead it's it's the variables of the unknown that are going to cause havoc to everything that that could happen you know and hopefully we're completely wrong on this and everything goes smooth um you know the percentage of that is very very low but it's the it's the unknown variable here that could throw a monkey wrench into everything but go ahead no and you know what i mean even based on the most um, poor, uh, or not poor, but the most worst-case scenario type thing. Let's say it is a 4% death rate in the U.S., and most of the population ends up getting it. You know, it is a, still a relatively small number of people that would die relative to the whole population. But what happens is it's just the mental effect it has on people, not just 
uh, the mental effect of, well, I just, I've just seen how many people are dying and some of them are very, you know, live, live, live in my city or my state. Uh, and so that makes me very nervous, but it's the emotional toll of having family members die. And, you know, we could easily find out that, you know, I mean, I, I, there's so much, there's so much raw data out there and people are so busy trying to like, just kind of get us through this time that there's not a lot of time to do those kind of reviews. And they're just kind of starting to do that now where they're really going over the records, medical records from hospitals and things, which isn't easy because of HIPAA laws. And that's a whole, that's a whole other can of worms that it's hard to like look at people's data without it being anonymous. But, you know, it's very possible you go look through all this stuff and be like, you know what, if it goes in this league, the chances of any of these players at their health late, you know, it's a 1% chance of someone even getting, a, even getting a severe case, right? Like Von Miller got it, and he talked about how uh, he had a cough and his breathing wasn't really good for about three or four days. But that was really it, and he was fine after that. Right. And most of these athletes are probably will react that way. But, you know, and it, 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 it does bring that interesting thought of, like, what is the acceptable loss rate for entertainment? And I know that maybe sounds grotesque, but I think if you really think about it, Entertainment is so much more important than people a lot of times are willing to accept because if you look at what would you be doing if you didn't have TV shows right now, if you didn't have music, if you didn't have books, if you didn't have stuff like that to take your mind off things, how crazy would you be going right now? Like, I mean, you think some people are going, no, they're not. Think of how crazy people would go if there was zero entertainment. Imagine if this was 1999. And there was barely in, in, barely any internet, and your cell phones couldn't do much. Man, we're lucky it hit when it did. We're lucky it hit now. We are lucky because we actually have something to we – can, we can do teleconferencing, right? Imagine how many more of us would not have a job. I wouldn't have a job because I wouldn't be willing to go to work, <laughs> you know? And so, and so maybe it comes down to – and, I, again, this kind of sounds grotesque, but remember my degree is in economics, so – the way that I view things is through a lens of scarcity and, and, you know, supplies and making things, making systems function. Maybe what you do is you start saying, you know what, it's not just bringing back whoever used to work in the stadium or whoever used to work for this league. Maybe it's, we're putting out a call. If you want to work, you're willing to take the risk, then come here. I I think that is probably the angle we're going to end up having to take at some point, uh, unless a vaccine is actually, or cure is created it's gonna to have to be are, if right. you're willing to take the risk if that's your prerogative and if you're not willing to take the risk you really need to stay home and it sucks that you're gonna to have to do that like someone like me with asthma if i don't want to take the risk I'm just gonna to have to stay at home and at least we now know or well i guess we don't know but we think it's very difficult to actually uh spread this from contact surfaces like um i mean you think about how many people have gotten home delivery of food and I'm one of those, and you're talking about that, you know, please, please tip these people adequately because a lot, I mean, if you've got a job, be very happy that your job is still going and, you know, try and help out some other people. But I have not heard of anybody getting sick who gets food delivered. And I can tell you, I have food delivered probably once, if not twice a week. Um, or, or maybe sometimes I go, I go get it. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, food created by someone else in packaging from someone else. Uh, I know my both of my parents are doing it and their families and, you know, and I, and I know a number of people, you know, friends who are doing it and no one has gotten sick. So 
it, leads, it lends credence to the fact that you probably aren't going to get it from contact surface touching. And you just be smart, right? right? Like, I'm sure you probably do the same thing as me. I take the, the Tupperware container or the, or the, the styrofoam or whatever kind of container the food is in. I open it up. I take the food out with utensils and put it on plates. I then throw that thing in the trash, and then I wash my hands. Is that a little bit of overkill? Maybe. But it's not that hard to do that. And I haven't caught anything. And I can tell you what was, was crazy, was creepy to me uh, on Tuesday. I woke up Tuesday. I, I don't know how you feel when you have a fever, but when I have a fever, it kind of feels like my brain is in like a vat of liquid kind of, and I right. can't like make focus. And I felt like that um, on Tuesday morning. I mean, I felt dreadful when I woke up and I still don't have any idea what it was. It could have been allergies. Maybe I just slept really poorly with my CPAP. I, I, who knows what happened? But for whatever reason, I felt sick as a dog and I didn't have any like, you know, congestion or anything, but I just felt my brain felt lousy. I was lethargic. I just wanted to go to sleep. I couldn't hardly wake myself up. I was terrified for a minute there. I was like, oh my God, I got it. And it's now hitting me. And I probably caught it two weeks ago. And you know, my lungs are going to go next. And then by the next day, I felt a little bit better than by, by Thursday. I, it was all gone. So I was like, well, you yeah. know, who knows what I had, but you know, it just goes to show you how quickly you could change everything, but no one I know has caught it. I don't know anyone who has caught this thing at all, at least not had symptoms. I mean, they may have caught it and didn't know it. And I think, I don't think I've heard from you that you know anybody who's caught it. So I think oh, that no, we, my sister Cindy had it. Oh, she did. That's right. You did say that. So how is she doing? Uh, she's fine. The first couple of days, she, well, she knew she, she caught a fever. And from what I understand, um, if I remember right, because this is a couple weeks old now, um, she, she caught a fever, then she lost her sense of taste. And then they tested her and they found out she had it. She quarantined in her house with her, um, with her fiancé. Um, they have their own house they bought. And um, she got it. Her first couple of days were absolute hell, I heard. And she said... And then she just basically had a fever, and for her to go back to work in the nursing home, she just had to show them that she didn't have a fever for two straight days, and she's back to work now. And her, her fiancé never caught it. So, you and know, he I mean, was yeah. right around her. So there we go. I mean, that does lead credence to the, to the fact that this isn't going to affect most people. And, again, I'm not conspiracy-minded. I'm not saying don't be careful. I'm not saying to stop washing your hands, stop wearing a mask. Don't do those things. Let's help keep it from going too crazy. But, you know – Let's let's go ahead and see what happens here. And you know, I think we're both in the same wavelength that we very easily in two weeks we could be like, oh man, this is bad. We are getting in the southern states. We are seeing fifty thousand cases a day. You know, I mean, it could be bad like that. But then, are how many of those fifty thousand are going to the hospital or need to go to the hospital, or what percentage of those fifty thousand are getting really sick or dying? I mean, it's going to be very small numbers. And again, that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Every person who dies, it's, it's a person that died. It's not a number. But, you know, do we need to just say, you know what? Life has got to go on at some point here. I mean, we can't do this for two years. And it, it could take six years. It could take 10 years to get a vaccine. They could never come up with a vaccine. It happens, you know? So it's like, it, it could just be, we need to let this thing not run roughshod, not just like burn through the whole country and then just God knows what happens to the hospitals and the, and the, and the healthcare systems. But I mean, really, I mean, I'm sure you feel the way that I do that. I mean, there was a while there where it was like, Oh my God, this is bad. This is horrible. I mean, you know, New York is about to crumble and about to collapse and da 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 and all these other things. And then it kind of passed over and now you don't hear much about it. Like it's not even like a big deal anymore, at least not in the media, right. Which is kind of the bad part right. of that. 
kind of control the narrative. But, um, you know, like, I mean, I knew a lot of people in healthcare. I know a lot of people in healthcare. I work in healthcare. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of concern early on. But now it's kind of like, well, you know, we're not, we're not overwhelmed anymore. It's still bad. You still got to be very yeah. careful. But another thing is, you know, I mean, I've got some friends that are nurses and spouses that are nurses, and I've talked to them. And uh, one of them told me, you know what, now we've got enough PPE at our hospital. Doesn't mean they all do, but she's like, at ours, we've got enough now. Like, we don't, we don't, we're, we're, we're cycling them out for the most part now, instead of, of wearing them through multiple patients and, and not yeah, changing right. throughout the day, things like that. So, um, and one thing I was going to bring up is, you know, I'm looking at the ESPN top events, and it's got the German, uh, I'm going to say this word wrong, Bundesliga, Liga, Bundesliga, uh, the soccer league. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's all the results. They've, they're all, most of the games are done today. They, uh, Byron Munich has just started up their game. Uh, the rest of the games on this thing are already done. So, I mean, people are playing sports, you know, and Germany does, has, has had a bit of a swelling of an outbreak uh, since they kind of reopened, but they're still playing the sport. So, you know, maybe, you know, and, and I, this is kind of selfish on my part. I just miss sports so much, <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, we all why, do. Would, why do we do this show? Right. We, we love sports and, mm-hmm. It's hard not to see sports. It's hard not to enjoy sports. You realize how, how much of our day was a distraction, you know, with sports and entertainment. And it's like, you know what? Maybe that wasn't a bad thing. Maybe we're going to find out that those distractions from the stresses of, of modern life were so important to mental health. You know, I don't know. I will say this. So, you know, I take an anti-anxiety medication when I have a panic attack. Yep. And so oh, yeah. I was very, very anxious at one point. Part of it, I'm sure, was the COVID. Another part of it was my work was – my work has gone back to kind of normal now, and it's going to get busy again here in a couple of weeks. But um, it was just – it was insane. When we first transitioned, it was the beginning of a new sales quarter. I mean, it was like everything you had to do times six was what was going on. And so I had terrible anxiety. I was feeling it all the time. I was feeling sick all the time from it and everything. And uh, so then I finally, you know, like uh, had an appointment, and I – talked to a doctor and I got a prescription for those things. It's so funny. Once I got those and then work went kind of back to normal at the same time, my anxiety kind of disappeared. And now I haven't taken any prescriptions for anxiety at all. And I don't even right. feel anxiety symptoms. And so it's, it's, it's interesting how it just ebbs and flows like that. But uh, for anybody with anxiety and especially some people that I know um, who weren't really anxiety sufferers, but now are having some issues with it, you know, either a, Get a couple of teleappointments. Even if you can only afford to do two or three of them, you'd be amazed what just verbalizing what you're feeling or just talking. I mean, sometimes with a therapist, you just just talk. That's it. You're just talking. You're not even talking about anything in specific. You're just talking. And it's just getting things out. And it's like in Sopranos when she said, you know, depression is anger turned inward. It, you know, you just got to get things mm-hmm. out. And, you know, I, I think that if they get – we start these leagues up – they need to have psychiatrists or therapists uh, for all the teams, you know, have them talk to players every day, get their stresses out, get their, you know, get their fears out and stuff. And, and, you know, maybe we can, I don't know, I guess I just, I want sports back so much and I don't think we're going to get baseball this year. That's just my personal opinion. I think hockey is a pretty good chance that we'll see some, but I don't know if it'll finish NBA. I, Boy, man, that 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 constant sweating and bumping up against each other makes me suspect. Football, on the other hand, right, I right. think we'll get, and I think we're going to get football. One reason, 
the players' union in football is weak. All these other sports, the players' unions are fairly strong. But in yes, football, the owners make the rules, and the owners want to make their money, and they're not going to be happy with not getting to, to have games. And so I think that we're going to get football, but I think the fact that you, have, you, know, that you wear a mouthpiece, that you've got a helmet on, that you could put a shield in front of the, the mask, I think they could take some very simple steps and probably drastically reduce the odds of, of cross-contamination. I mean, do you think – what do you think about it? Like, if you had to – if they made everybody – have a face shield like what Indian Tomlinson had, and then where the part you know that goes in front of their faces, uh, you know the grid. Uh, if they put a, a little like plastic covering on that, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that would help really reduce the risk? You know, it's it's hard to say because football is such a contact person to person sport. Uh, even though you have so much gear on and, and everything like that, uh, it, it's really it's hard to say. I mean, most of the players wear face masks as it is right now. If you actually look at a lot of the highlights of a lot of the star players are actually wearing face masks already. Um, you know, it's hard to say. Like I said, football is the, is, is the, the NFL, not college. College is regulated by conferences, presidents of the universities, and the NCAA commissioner. So there's so many working parts to the college football aspect. You know, if they don't play, they're going to lose about $4 billion, uh, this year. If they actually play with no fans, college football will be about $1.2 billion, um, in the whole uh, if they play without fans, um, hey, let me and quick. only about you know, the Power Five schools, only about forty-one percent have the reserves and money to survive this crisis as it is. And we're already seeing schools in Division One and Two uh, cutting um, sports down to make their their uh, their budget um, workable for the next coming year. God, you were going to ask a question. When you talk about the amount that the NFL is going to lose, the four billion dollars, is that? So, like, does that mean $4 billion less revenue, or does that mean they're going to be, like, they're going to go into debt $4 billion? No, that, that, that's actually just college football is going to lose $4 billion if they don't play. That's $4 billion of revenue that they're going to lose flat out. Okay, gotcha. I just wanted to, cl- I wanted to clarify that. I, I don't have the NFL number because this, this is the great thing about the NFL. You have a commissioner. You have 30 owners. Or thir- what is it? We have 32 teams, 30, 32 owners. Um so they have a plan where they can keep pushing the Super Bowl back, you know, and you just t- you you subtract, um, and, then, and this is this is their plan. Uh, like I like I just said, you know, the NCAA. I, I just gave you the numbers. Um, they're letting people back in. You know, Ohio State's been talking about maybe you know their their, their stadium, the Horseshoe there, holds 102,000. If they put 20,000 people in and social distance, it's it's, it's feasible. They're working on a plan right now. Um, colleges are bringing back people June 1st and June 8th to do uh, voluntary workouts where it's like 10 people in the gym at a time. They clear out, they clean everything down, so on and so forth. Football, since it's 32 teams with a commissioner and your owners, they can if we, we, if we miss week one, that'll be week 18, and means the, the Super Bowl gets pushed back a week. We make week, week, week two, that'll be week 19. We push the Super Bowl back another week because the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year where they can, it doesn't make a difference when they play. It's not weather-related, so on and so forth. And they've got the hotels down there, this, that, the other thing, where they can keep pushing it back no matter what the situation is. That's why, you know, football is not right now, um, the NFL, I should say, is not right now really pressing on what they have to do because they have a plan where they can move stuff back constantly because – their season normally ends, what, the first week of February with the Super Bowl, then they have that whole off season. 
So maybe if, if they can't start, you know, the first games in September, they push back that week. All right, can they start the next week? Maybe they push that week back. And maybe the Super Bowl will be, be in March this year. You know, but they can work on that um, to make it work where, you know, college football is, you know, so unregulated, so individually regulated by conference and team and not by the NCAA, where it's going to be hard to watch them. And, you know, we're talking about two different football leagues here and really trying to make the comparison of, you know, the NFL can do this, this, and this, and this, whereas college football can't do this, 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 and this. You know, Penn State's going to play San Jose State as a non-conference team. Do they need that game? No, there's no reason to bring San Jose State all the way across the country and play that game. You know, so it comes down to, you know, where does college football fall um, in line here? Because they're going to let like, – they're letting the – Division One is letting the, the football players, men's and women's basketball players, into voluntary work. And then the NFL is the package are opening up on Thursday, not for players or coaches, but for their um, <clears throat> training and front office staff to get back into work. Um, the, right now, uh, the NFL, Roger Goodell, isn't going to let – um, players and coaches in um, when other players and coaches can't get into other facilities, uh, say down south in Atlanta or something like that, um, to give them an advantage, a, an advantage, a competitive advantage is what I meant to say there. Um, you know, so they're going to hold back on the players and, and the coaches, but they're going to get their front office staff back in. They're going to get their, their, their personnel back in uh, and start working again. So it, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, the NFL has a lot of options here. Um, where college football, they don't have, they have options, but it's, it comes, there's so many teams outside of the power five conferences, you know, what do you, you know, what are you regulated to? That's what I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what really does happen there. Cause I know the NFL, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're hundred days from the first scheduled college football game. I'm sorry. We're 97 days away right now. Uh, the NFL, like I said, has the plan to keep pushing back, you know, the ways I already outlined, um, so it, it'll be interesting. And, like, you know, I want to I talk about baseball because we're running down the time here. Um, I want to see what you have to say about this. Um, I guess it's got a – my computer is, doesn't like when I don't touch it. So, okay, so baseball right now, the, the, um, the players and the owners gave to the players, uh, we're going to have this amount of testing a week, and then we want you not to shower – uh, no hydrotherapy, show up at stadium in uniform. The, the Players Association that said that's over the top. Um, they actually want more testing than once a week. Um, and the owners and the owners are, would be down for that. But then, you know, they're getting more testing than any of us can get. Uh, two is they want a 50-50 split in revenue, and how long would the season be? So here's my question to you, because uh, I know I wish Nate was on the show because uh, you guys are the key. I'm a baseball fan, but you guys are bigger baseball fans than me. You know, after the 94-95 strike, it took Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire to get baseball back on the map and uh, then Barry Bonds, even with the home run race races that we had. Can, if you have these players that won't, if they don't get paid 100% of their contracts or 50-50 split with the owners and we don't play, is baseball going to tarnish its image forever considering how high our unemployment rate right now is in this country and the people that don't have jobs? I don't know because baseball is different from every other sport in the fact that they play every day. You know, I mean, basketball, right. they sometimes back-to-backs. Hockey, sometimes they play, you know, what, three or four games a week. But baseball, you're playing, like, at minimum five days a week, and it's probably going to be some double-headers yeah. to, to try and get – 
I mean, because there's no way we're going to get, you know, anywhere near a normal number of games for a season. So I think they're going to aim for 80. And then they'll, they'll scale that back as they, if they have to, uh, to less games. Baseball, you know, you do have a bit more of a problem because unlike football, where you can play in any sport or hockey and basketball, which are indoors, baseball's got a lot of outdoor stadiums in areas that are not conducive to playing after October. And you can't exactly. push it to November, can't push it to December. Um, you know, the NFL has got some benefits. Like I said, of only playing once a week is a huge benefit because you're at least you're only locked with your team for that time. Um, I don't think it would hurt baseball uh, like the strike did, because none of this has to do with um, the players not wanting to play. It, it has to do with they can't really figure out how to make this work. I mean, there's still the big question of, you know, most teams don't own their own airlines. I mean, I used to think they all did, but I don't think they do. They charter them. So they rent a plane you know, to say from United or from whoever and say, we're going to have you fly our whole team and crew and everything. And, you know, some teams do have their own planes, like, you know, the Patriots. And I think that almost the team is going to have to have their own team in every sport have to have their own plane because you got to make sure that like, you're like, Oh no, we know the stewardesses and the pilots on this plane or sorry, the stewards and the, and the pilot. Um, We know the people who do the baggage handling. I mean, it's like, Everything's going to have to be someone they know that is with the team, that is self-quarantined, that is being checked. And I just don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't think that there's just enough money in all these, these sports. Now, baseball does probably have the money. Baseball, one thing, that, you know, there, there's, there's two problems with that 50-50 split you're talking about, right? Now, the owners would love that, right? Because two reasons. One, they don't ever open their books. They just declare what they make sometimes, or they just declare their losses. Remember that when they were going to try and contract two teams, all they talked about was how much money they were losing. People, all the players union said, well, then open up the books and show us. Like, no. Exactly. No. Yep. We don't need to show you our books. It's like, well, wait a minute. You can't tell me you're losing money and then tell me you won't show me how much you're losing. You know, it just doesn't work that way. <clears throat> and if they say, well, we're going to do 50-50 this year because we're not going to have any revenue from um, games and we're not going to have revenue from this and just going to have the, ba- just going to have the TV revenue, basically, and the, and the memorabilia revenue – and that's what we'll split. Well, one, again, I don't trust the owners to open up their books. So they'll lie about how much they're making. And so they'll give a lot less to the players. And then what's even on, what happens on top of that is now the new collective bargaining agreement, which is not that far away. Now baseball ownership is going to say, yeah, we'd like to do 50-50. And, you know, you know the players union is very much against that because they're like, no, we're the reason you're making money. So we need to get the lion's share of the revenue that comes in from certain things. Now, they still don't think mm-hmm. they even get but one way they've tried to fix that is by raising the minimum salaries to a higher and higher level, which then that works in raising everybody else's salary. It's one thing that I've always gotten to laugh laughing with when people talk about not wanting to see minimum wage get raised. I'm like, you realize that they raise minimum wage and like, well, why should I have to, you know, why should this person working at McDonald's make the same amount as me? It's like, that's the point. They'll have to raise your pay to compensate for the raise right. that person's pay. And, so that's what baseball has done for the minor leagues. They, you know, they keep ratcheting up the minor league or the minimum salary for baseball, and that helps and that pushes up the salaries for everybody. And then everybody in the union is happy that way. But yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I just, I other sports, I see there are ways that they could do it. I just don't know if there's any way to do that in baseball. Baseball just uses so much space and is so constant. I mean. Baseball would be weird if they were only playing four games a week or 
three games a week or, you know, one thing that they could do, I thought would be say, we're going to make five, six, seven, whatever, whatever number of divisions. It's going to be small divisions, kind of like Paul was talking about in Taiwan. They're going to be four teams. You're going to play just those four teams. And whoever wins that division is the one that goes to the playoff. And we're going to have a playoff team from each of these divisions that we make up. And you all go to one area and play in that one area. And we're going to play four games a day. Not every team play four games a day, or I guess it would be two games a day if it was four teams. But it'd be like every day in the same stadium, we're going to play all the games of all the teams that we have in that division. Maybe that can work. But I, I got to be honest. Like I said, I just, I, I, I'm little doubt we're going to get football, but I don't think we're going to get baseball. And that would be really, really sad because, you know, you hate to have one person, even just one year taken out of a person's career could have been their best year, you know, and it's going to be gone. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing with like when we're talking about uh, horse racing, I thought, all those horses, they're going to be three, right? Like they have to race this year because they can't race next year. So of course they have to open it because I mean, imagine if you spent $4 million getting this horse ready and now they can't race and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I just threw away $4 million. I can't, I can't not get any, anything back. So, um, so we're very close to running out of time. Did you want to answer our trivia question? Yeah, let's do that. Let's see. Uh, let's end the, the, the show on a, on a happy note here. <laughs> Well, let's see uh, real quick because uh, I have a follow-up question I want to ask know. you about. Okay, so what was Jim Brown's career yards per carry average? Okay, so I'm going to say a, a an average run, uh, you know, a, an average average per carry. I'm going to say is 2.9. Let's say I'm just that's just okay. I'm guessing. Um, the really great players that do occasional, usually these are guys who are like change of pace backs. And they'll have something like closer to five because they come in when a defense is a little bit gassed and they get those spread out plays. So I'm going to say, because Jim Brown, I know was, 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 was pretty impressive, but the game was different. I'm going to go 4.2 yards per carry. That's a really good guess. It's actually 5.2 yards a carry career. Wow. He had 120, he had 126 touchdowns, 1,203. 12,312 yards, uh, three-time MVP, eight-time Pro Bowl, or nine-time Pro Bowl, um, eight-time yards leader. And this is the one that got me because I actually forgot about this or did not know it. He's the only player in NFL history to average over 100 rushing yards per game in his career. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Hundred yeah, yards. It is because I, I knew about the five point two yards, and I know we've been talking. Uh, well, we just there's a lot of there's a lot of NFL talk. I'm like, well, this is a good trivia question. And then I went and looked up some of the stuff because I knew it was five point two, but I was like, I want to see his other other stats. I never I realized think, the hundred yards rushing per game. I think part of what made him uh, what helps him with that is the fact that he didn't play a long career. I mean, it wasn't a short career. But he didn't go long into his older age, and that probably helped him keep his yards per carry up. So we're down to like a minute yeah. and a half. Um, I just wanted to real quick, you wrote down about the fact that both uh, – now, Carlos Hyde signed with the Seahawks this morning. So now we're down to Devon Freeman and Cam Newton are the, probably the biggest two names that don't have a home. Just real quick, where do you think they end up, or do they – Okay, now I can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, Devontae Freeman, he has, he's, he's had talks with the Eagles. Cam Newton, there's such a – they don't know his health status. Uh, it's really hard to say. Some people say he shouldn't play. Some people say he should sign with a team um, just because he needs the rest. 
You know, otherwise that, that, that health status is going to be looming over him, and he might you not get any money that he wants. So any idea where he might sign? Cam, I have not, not, there's nothing on the table that I've heard, which is – there's really nothing out there that I've heard where Cam might sign yet. Devontae Freeman, I know the Eagles have been in talks with him. I think Cam should sign with the Patriots, and I think he should probably sign with, like, Pittsburgh. I think he'd be a nice little backup for uh, – for what's his name, the cancer uh, guy. The, the Patriots, uh, about, the Patriots I have probably heard of. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great weekend, and happy Memorial Day. Yeah, offensive.